hump day. Happy hump day. <laughs> Hi, how are you going? I'm really good. I'm feeling better yet. Well, at the same feeling better. I feel like I told you I was sick, but I haven't. So between the last recording and this recording, I was quite sick, which really throws a spanner in the works, but I can't really complain because I think I get sick like once a year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Otherwise healthy, but just a little bump in mm-hmm. the road. A little bump in the road. It's horrible. Um, I, ha- I hate being sick. I am the worst sick person. Hate it. I always feel like I'm about to die. Yeah. And when people say man flu, I am a man. I'm just like, I'm, first of all, I think I've got the worst disease. It's not the simple, it's like the worst disease. Mm -hmm. Like it's something else, Mm -hmm. more extreme. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm like, let's get me some drugs. Yes. Get me some drugs. Yes. Got to sort this out. It's like, I've got to resolve this problem. I go into problem yeah. solving. Yeah, it, it's because, yeah, if we're not, yeah, if you're not sick very often, it's like just got to get this done and dusted with, yeah, move yeah. on with my life. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been like a well, week. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Mm, yeah. What else have I done? I went to see the colour. Oh, right. I heard yeah. it's very good. At the big open air cinema. The yeah, best the movie. movie. The best cinema in the world, I like to call it. <laughs> I was so funny because I didn't get the tickets, but I haven't got them. And I'd seen the original years ago. So the original is 1985. Yeah. I think I watched it in the yeah, with Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, and Whoopi Goldberg. Mm. And I remember. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. Fantastic. But very confronting when you're, I think I watched it in the 90s. So, you know, it would have been yeah. like really a child almost or a, you know maybe 12 I can't really remember no, how so I just assumed it was just a new version it was you know Oprah Winfrey produced it with Steven Spielberg I'm really interested to see how the new version looks then sit there and sit in there to watch it and within the first few minutes they break out into song turns out it's a musical and I had no idea so the whole I thing no, I have no musical. idea either actually the whole thing's a musical a screen yeah. musical obviously and it was really well made. It was excellent. The mm. acting was excellent, superb. The singing was superb. I just felt that it wasn't as con- confronting as the original. It yeah. kind of watered it down, all the singing and dancing. Yeah. It diluted it. And I don't know whether the... Entertainment. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know whether the audience, maybe an audience who had never seen the original, really understood the theme or, you yeah. know, the... I don't know. Okay. And the only reason I say that is because I heard a teenager saying to a mum, I don't really understand what that movie was about on the way home. So that's what makes me say that. It's um, like, maybe it was so dilated that really just lost in what, what the point was. Whereas it was quite obvious to me when I watched the original. For example, in the original, I don't know if you remember, the big deal, the big thing was that society, including her own father and the community saw her as ugly. And stupid, mm. like, and that was repeatedly the theme. And then they used that as a mm. as an excuse to abuse her, essentially, to abuse her. And so, but that didn't, that wasn't as prevalent in this musical themed version. Mm. So yeah, anyway, so it's good. Uh, okay, well, I'm not sure that you sold that to me. I don't know. Well, I said go watch it out of curiosity. It's um, good. 
Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I think it is good. Actually, the reason that I've I even heard about this was because a friend was talking to her daughter about it mm. and talking about, yeah, so, well, anyway, what, my, what I was going to say was I think it's a, a good thing because it might stimulate some curiosity amongst younger, you know, younger people. And maybe they'll go back and watch the original movie, which would be. Yeah, and I think that would be great. If, if, if that's an outcome, for sure. Mm. There you go. Very good. And what, did you, what have you been up to? I've been very lucky, girl. I've been skiing for the last week or so up in Switzerland with some friends, and it was amazing. Wow. It's just gorgeous. It's just absolutely gorgeous. The people are, they're just a superior race, basically, Chelsea. <laughs> What, it's everyone yeah. in Switzerland. They're just polite and elegant and charming and intelligent and yeah, they're just really beautiful people to be around. Mm. I think it's just perfect. Yeah, you just really... described my perfect man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I did meet a single man up there in the mountains who, you know, he's our age. He's single. Give him a note. You know, maybe we could make it. <laughs> and he's Swiss, even more perfect. <laughs> yeah. That sounds but yeah, amazing. I know. Fantastic. Really, really amazing. But back to life with a bump because today I've got a dental appointment. So <laughs> one extreme to the other. So obviously I'm really not looking forward to that. Which, um, but yeah, I know. Nice. Had a fabulous couple of weeks. It's been good. Beautiful. Sounds amazing. You remind me of that song then, Go Back to Life. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> right. It's the first story. Is yeah. a story from The Guardian. Okay. And I just wanted to talk about a few elements of this story. So it's a story, Travis Alabanza, and it's in The Guardian. And the title of the story is My Life Outside the Gender Binary. People want to know often within the first handshake whether you were always like this. So Travis Alabanza is obviously, from what I'm gathering, an actor. An actor on theatre, at least. And they must have written a book because there's a lot of this, like, is, you know, an edited extract from their book none of the above, reflections on life beyond the binary. So this is obviously an extra self-seller book, but I just thought they brought up some interesting themes and they start to talk about essentially like all the times when they've been asked, so when did you know? And the examples they gave, they gave are sitting in GP's office asking them, you know, how do you, when did you know? And even he and they even got and, I, and I'm careful to use they and them here. But pronouns. Pronouns. It's a lot. It's not as easy to do when you're talking about someone. It's much mm. easier when you're talking with someone that uses mm. non-binary pronouns. But they even talk about people asking their mother, their friend, even their teachers. So when did Travis? you know, no kind of thing. And it's quite interesting that that's a question. And I was just thinking, well, it's also a question that a lot of 
people who are gay get that type of question mm. as well. Like, well, when did you know kind of thing? And it says here that, you know, of course, humans are naturally curious. Mm. But Travis in particular finds British ways of communicating to be crowded with social pleasantries and forced politeness. And I think that's true growing from the UK. I don't know if you think it's true. I think it's true. There's a lot of polite and, you know, thank you. And even in the way we write emails in the English language, it's got, you know, yeah. it's like, it just starts with the politeness and warm regards. And, you know, there's this kind of culture of polite etiquette and ways you speak. And there's a lot of, you know, you can't ask that kind of mm. attitude, usually. Yeah. They say, Travis says, present at the same dinner table with someone who is visibly gendered on conforming, wearing a dress with a bit of a five o'clock shadow coming through and all those manners disappear. So when did you know becomes their version of weather talk or asking what you do for a living? Like becomes a free-for-all kind of question. Mm. And I just think, would I ask somebody that? I haven't, but then I don't come across many gender non-conforming people if I'm honest I guess I've never thought about it I I think that the article is interesting in that respect because like you said you know normally obviously Travis lives in the UK normally in the UK there is this there are a lot more rules there are a lot of rules about what's acceptable dinner table conversation and yet Travis's point is that why why is it acceptable that to be asked this question in you know from somebody you don't even know it, it's not even you know it, it seems to be a fair game topic of conversation and why is that yeah is it because it is non i guess non-conventional is it because people are intrigued like the curiosity mm. that you mentioned before but why does curiosity trump the that Englishness of polite conversation, those rules, those social rules that we have in place, why is that suddenly thrown out the door kind of thing when it mm. comes to the trans conversation? Or like you said, with gay as well, the gay conversation. Yeah, I know. And I guess that Travis's description of is basically they didn't really know. All they knew was they didn't feel comfortable conforming to the gender they were assigned um, in a different moments. And it would probably be, I'm guessing from their article, which is very long, so I'm not reading it all, um, in different instances, maybe not even consistently, um, mm. and probably more of a reflection on how the outside world treated them because it's the outside world that tells you your gender almost, you know, mm what you should wear well if you wear boys have to wear this and girls have to wear that women have to behave this way boys have to behave that way yeah so it's more a reflection of the world so I guess it depends when the world decides to tell you that you're not conforming to what they consider is normal but I just thought that was interesting what else does they talk about it talks about what they talk about you know how we're okay with pantomime games RuPaul's mm. drag race, Harry Styles in a dress, as long as it stays in the realms of performance. Mm. And that's true. Nobody seems to blink an eye or have anything new to say. Um, but when it becomes a lifestyle or a life choice, and people are curious about when, like, when does it matter? Like, how many children 
were the mums, you know, how many boy children born as boys wear the mum's high heels mm. and jewellery? Does it mean they're trans necessarily? Does yeah. it even matter? Yeah, actually, thinking back to, like you said, the pantomime Dane, RuPaul's made a whole career out of you know, dressing in feminine clothing and we're, we're fine with that. And in, in fact, I'm thinking back to when I've been to fancy dress parties. I don't know mm. if you've noticed it, Tracy, but men that come dressed as women, they really seem to enjoy it. Mm. You know, and it is that, that normally that is suppressed. Yeah. And it's only acceptable and it's a fancy dress party. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's under like, oh, this is really out there. If it is just normal to want to either want to dress masculine, I do this because we've defined it, haven't we? More masculine or feminine, no matter what your gender, it's just a mm. spectrum of comfort. Um, I'm totally making this up. This is my just idea for experiment. But it's a spectrum of comfort in what you feel comfortable, what your body feels good in. And it's just that we've, you know, created a culture that's so strict and putting people in boxes that we've created, we've forced people to suppress wearing, yep. behaving. What might be totally normal, actually. Yeah, what's comfortable yeah. and authentic to them. That's my thought. Just popped in my head. No, I think you're probably along the right lines because, you know, culturally that's how we have defined genders. But in other cultures, historically in indigenous cultures, there are, you know, there's evidence or there's um, reports of gender being a spectrum, mm. not, you know, definitive roles. So... It's how you know, our society and our culture has um, defined our roles. Yeah. And I do um, a coaching, you just made me think of this as well. There's a coaching that I do with clients that's called masculine and feminine coaching. Mm. And it's about the idea is that you, the problems that you may be experiencing, things aren't working for you, are due to an imbalance or lack of harmony between the masculine and feminine. And the mas the ideas of masculine and feminine is almost like a yin-yang that everybody has both. Mm. And that they're not in harmony. And it's quite a simple definition. Masculine are simply things that you're putting out there in the world, like even speaking is a masculine trait. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, gen certain genitalia is masculine and certain behaviors and characteristics are masculine in the idea that it's projecting out and feminine behaviors will be taking in, like listening, that's a seen as a feminine characteristic. Mm. But doesn't it's not a gender specific thing. Does mm. that make sense? So yeah, yeah. that's that's the concept behind masculine feminine coaching to looking at the imbalance, looking at the behavior, looking at the problem, saying, well, you've got a problem with your masculine, you've got an imbalance there need more mm -hmm. of that or you need less of this or more of this so that's just a way of looking at it and I prefer that mm -hmm. kind of definition because mm -hmm. it's very simple and it's not it's actually not it's not gender specific and it allows for people to be okay to have both to be both yeah it's just my thought that just came up but only thing out of this story is it's a very very personal question <laughs> yeah 
exactly. <laughs> so, probably don't ask it. Yeah, um, don't ask it. I think if somebody like with all like with all personal topics, right? Yeah. I even if you have a curiosity about it, I really don't. I think that the best advice is you've got to be led by the other person. If they mm-hmm. want to talk about that personal topic, then that you need to wait for them to bring that to the table, not go kind of bulldozering in there with inappropriate conversations or inappropriate questions about something that's private. I know, I know. Oh, man. What was the other one? Somebody, well, again, very an insensitive question and apparently from a friend was about when did they know they were a proper tramp? <laughs> now... If I would have gone, I don't know, my response to that was a question to me. My response would be, define proper. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think in that, in that instance, it was to do with the fact that Travis hadn't gone through like physical or hormonal medical change to become mm. proper transgender. Mm. I think that's what the reference was about. Which yeah. I think what Trav- Travis then went on to say is that you know there are certain cha- there are a lot of challenges for a trans person to have to overcome in order to go through the physical and medical changes to become mm. proper mm. trans. You know, mm. so I think it was affronting because just because I ha- have not had the opportunity or financial advantages or whatever it is to be able to go through <laughs> that process doesn't mean I'm not proper trans right? exactly yeah exactly yeah so that's why that's kind of an inappropriate question so I feel I think we've got got the gist of the inappropriateness of the, of the yes. question <laughs> which is really the point of the story but yeah Travis Alabanza has a book hey if you're interested in that book. topic check it out Okay, um, that kind of leads us in a little into the next topic, which is about the use of gender pronouns in the workplace. And I was interested in this article because I'm going to be absolutely honest here. Although, yes, gender pronouns have been used in the workplace, and, and you definitely, Tracy, have been one of those people that, you know, one of the first people that I was personally aware of to use the gender pronouns in the workplace. Mm. And certainly it's, you know, something that is a lot more of the norm now. It's still something I haven't really paid a lot of attention to in terms of what it means and the importance of it. So this particular article I thought would be a nice one for us to have a have a chat about. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I just want to see where this is from the Diversity for Social Impact, written by a lady called Naya Toke. And she starts to kind of talk about that there's an evolving landscape of global workplaces and the importance of recognition and respect for diverse gender identities and how this is becoming increasingly important. 
The relevance of gender pronouns in the workplace transcends mere politeness. It's about creating an environment where every employee feels seen, respected, and valued. So I guess, you know. I was going to reiterate that. That's the whole point. Everybody is seen, respected, and Mm -hmm. valued. And to me, if you can do that with all your employees, then you're winning. Yeah. In coming from a person that is a little bit naive about this topic, I think I would have maybe not really understood that fully. I I would have thought it was more about having an identity. Uh, And then I guess I would have been a little bit confused about why that needed to be labelled. But now I think I'm, you know, thinking a bit more carefully about that and understanding. So, yeah, seen, respected and valued. I don't know if it's the same. Sorry to interrupt you. I just yeah. thought popped in my head. Is it the same? Let's say you work somewhere and they couldn't remember your name and they kept calling yeah. you Brit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brit. Hey, Brit. Well, I couldn't remember your name. Hey, Brit. You. Brit girl. <laughs> would that not get on your nerves after a while? Fish chick. Yeah, it, it would after a while because it becomes actually offensive then, you know. It's like, okay, now, you know, to start with, it's, you know, we don't don't know each other, but ne- you know, now I've worked with you for a little while, so yeah, you should now respect me enough to know my name. So yeah, yeah. Totally. And even spelling your name—that was <laughs> oh, how it, I know somebody for years and they spell my name wrong. Yeah, and the email, and this is all about—is it about identity? I think it's just about feeling respected and seen. Yes, you know, yeah, all those things. But anyway, sorry, I just had to, it just popped in my head and I was like, this is, these are maybe what people can relate to. I know it's a good way to kind of contextualize that a little bit for everybody. So the Harvard Business Business Review in 2019, they'd written about emphasizing the importance of inclusivity in the workplace, noting that diverse and inclusive workplaces lead to more innovative, engaged and happy employees. And yeah, 100% agree with that so by seeing respecting and valuing all individuals within an organization you're going to hopefully therefore benefit the whole organization right particularly in the global context where multinational companies operate across cultures with varying degrees of awareness and sensitivity towards gender identity so for people who are naive about this whole topic like me the article goes on to kind of explain a little bit more about understanding gender pronouns So, for example, gender pronouns are words we use to refer to someone in the third person, often reflecting their gender identity. So traditionally, I would be she, her, as you also would like to be known as she, her. And for cisgender males, it would be him, he or him. For non-binary and gender non-conforming individuals, they may use the term they or them and their. Or less common pronouns like sie, her, or sie, them. And there are actually quite a lot of different, what I've learned as well, a lot of different versions of the, the gender non-conforming pronouns out there. So the important thing is to become familiar about what is being used locally in your environment because it seems to change depending on where you are and there are lots of different ways to express these pronouns. It's essential to understand that the use of these pronouns is a critical aspect of a person's identity. 
yeah and it's not just like a fad or you know just something that somebody's doing just because for attention or whatever it's actually really important to the individual mm. person write your name like you know <laughs> you know the name thing tracy because my name is lucille but I've had so many different versions, and particularly in the workplace, you know, when you're working with so many different people. Lucy, Lucinda. Why is it doing it so easy? Like, it's not even, Lucinda's not even anything close to my name. Like it's. <laughs> Actually, the last place we worked together, also where? They're still, they're out, they, I'm sure they called you Lucy. I'm like, who's Lucy? Honestly, yeah. I think they did. Yeah. I was like, who's Lucy? Genuinely yeah. not realising they meant you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I said, oh, Luce, you mean Lucille. Lucille. And they still call you Lucy. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I've had that all my life, but I, I do think in a professional setting it's, yeah, it's, you need to take a little bit more attention to these types of things. And that's what we're talking about here in the professional environment with the pronouns. So the significance of gender pronouns in the professional settings, the use of gender, correct gender pronouns in the workplace is more than a matter of social courtesy. It has a profound implications for individual identity and psychological well-being. So there's actually a study published on this and found that using chosen names and pronouns reduces the risk of depression, suicide, depression and suicide in transgender youth significantly. This underscores the critical impact of pronoun usage in validating an individual's identity and promoting mental health, which, which is that's profound, isn't it, that it can have such a significant impact. Mm. Now, and I think any kind of, well, I'd like to think, any sensible person faced with that, that type of information would go, okay, this, this is really important that I understand this topic and that I take more care about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I, can't, I don't know what, it just made me think of something else. I don't know what context this is, but if it was like prisoners of war or something, would they, wouldn't they take away the name and they'd be having another or they'd be like mm. prisoner number mm. one or prison number two. That's actually part That's of stripping, taking away your identity. Yes. Because yes. you're not seen, you're not, and you're not valued, you're not respected. And that really messes with your head. And yes, this, and that's why it's so profound for non-binary or non-conforming because you're saying that you don't recognize that, you don't recognize them. And they've got so much other shit going on because of being non-binary that reinforces that idea that I, I don't matter. Or, mm. You know, it's, yeah. I, don't, I think people just don't understand that. Really, mm. then, it's such a big deal, even beyond the, your name, getting your name wrong. Mm. It's a lot deeper than that. Yeah, it, it is not being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, isn't it? And not, I, I mean, it is really hard for a cisgender person to be able to understand that. But I, I think that even if we can't fully understand it, we should accept that this is now, you know, we're evolving you know, as a community and we need to start adopting, you know, go with that evolution. And I think it will happen because if I were to have this exact same conversation with my 18-year-old niece who's been exposed to this from a young age, it would even not, not even be a point of discussion for her. 
she'd be like, yeah, of course. Mm. <laughs> it's just as old, old people have a problem, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. So it, 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 there, is, there is a shift. It's just, you know, in the younger population, it's a non-issue. It's for everybody else that we're still getting our heads around this. The other thing I really wanted to bring up about this article, which I really liked, was the debunking of common myths. And there were a couple of myths that I wanted to bring up in today's discussion. One of them is the myth surrounding the use of gender pronouns, that it's grammatically incorrect. And I had this exact conversation with my husband. <laughs> I've heard this so many times. And and it might, and, and I, I I wouldn't argue that it wasn't because I didn't know whether it was or wasn't. But I would be like, who gives a shit? Who cares if yes, it's grammatically well, incorrect? I feel like you're just grasping at straws, right? If if that's your like main, you know, main, argument. main point, oh, 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 main oh, argument, oh. then it's yeah. just like, what? Well, and I just wanted to, yeah. So one of the myths is that it's grammatically incorrect, but actually in this article, it talks about the fact that in 14th century, there's literature that does express the terms they and them in singular so it's actually it was correct singular and then we've made it it's become plural but that doesn't mean it can't become singular again or it has become singular and actually I'd seen in when I'd done another kind of digging around about this there was another article I think it was in time magazine and it was talking about how language does change. You know, we know that dictionaries get updated and we seem to be perfectly comfortable with language changing in other ways. But when it comes to this topic, it's like, no, this is plural. It has to stay plural. <laughs> yeah, I know. And um, like, we're adding so you, things like LOL to dictionaries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's fine. Though. So, yeah, the... The other article I'd read in the Time magazine was saying that the addition of gender-neutral pronouns in the English language is just another part of our evolving of language. So, you know, let's just, mm. let's just go with this. And it seems like a circular thing. It doesn't seem like mm. it's evolving. It seems like, you know, with, like we do with fashion, we go, you know, we evolve in the 90s and yeah. whatever, it comes back. Yes. So it's really just coming back in fashion. Yeah, this is like the flares, the flares of language, right? <laughs> Keeps coming back round. Okay, now number two misconception is the belief that the emphasis on gender pronouns is a passing trend. And I'd mentioned that before actually about it being a fad. However, the historical control exploration of gender demonstrates that non-binary and fluid gender identities have been acknowledged and respected in various cultures for centuries. So many indigenous cultures across North America have long recognized the existence of two spirit people who embody qualities of both male and female genders. A little bit like what you talked about, Tracy. Yeah, actually, yeah. Maybe I'm onto something. You are. <laughs> Ahead of your time. <laughs> you are onto something. So, yeah, they're the two kind of myth, de you know, debunking facts that I wanted to bring up. And then the article, which I really liked as well, because we're talking about using gender pronouns in the workplace, and it actually gives some good best practices of what we should be doing in the workplace to approach this in a better way. So implementing the respectful use of gender pronouns in the workplace requires both education and practical guidelines. 
So one of them is encouraging pronoun sharing. So like we do in organizations Zoom. should be encouraging that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, employees should take on the responsibility as well by voluntarily sharing their pronouns. Yeah. It also advises giving some kind of training on diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. to help open up that conversation amongst employees. Yeah. And to create supportive policies, so implementing really clear non-discrimination policies so everybody understands what the expectations are. And then handling mistakes prop- properly. Yeah. So educating is we talk about the training, but then when things mistakes happen, we're all human. Learning how to apologize and correct themselves properly. Really good advice. And yeah, I mean, I've heard that myth about it's, you know, it's a plural. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than singular. So what? Mm, To me, it's like, it cares. Anyway, I said that already. But (laughs) that's kind of, that was my argument. But I like this one better. We've got some more information that it's actually didn't used to be. It's coming around again. But in the workplace, oh, that was what I was going to say. And I've talked about this before. On the YouTube channel where we run this podcast, mm. we, it was, I think it was me or it doesn't matter who, but we both have the she, her pronouns in our thing. And somebody wrote a comment, oh, why is she, her? Like, we don't know what, what you are kind of thing. Yeah, I just, I didn't respond to it because I was like, yeah. I don't want to get into a back and forth. I don't really want to get into, mm. basically I don't want to get into it. And then I think, then later on I thought, well, maybe I should have said something like, this is a way to show respect and uh, support for those and people who are not conforming. And that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, it I, is, I, I, I understand that now, that, yeah, it is about lending support, bringing openness to the conversation so that gender non-conforming people can feel comfortable to share their pronouns. Exactly, yeah. exactly what it's about. Saying, hey, it's okay to be who you are here. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we might have worked for years with people that are non-conforming but have not felt like they can say or tell anyone. Yeah. You know, how would we know? So exactly what and it is. One more thing that I learned, Tracy, is do you know how to address, like if you were sending out a formal invitation, let's say, uh, you know, for a dinner or something, a gala dinner to somebody, how you would address a gender non-conforming person. You know, I'm a miss or a missus, you're a miss, a miss. And it talks about so. Oh, you mean uh, in rather than miss, Mr. and Miss? Yeah, rather than Mr. or Mrs. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's MX. MX. MX dot. I didn't I know this. Didn't know this either. Yeah, so just a little. Oh, that's really good to know. MX rather than Mr. and Mrs. MX, yeah. Yeah, or if it's like an informal letter or something. You know, MX is the MX use. Okay. So, Thanks you know, that. that's I'm what not... I'm here for, you know. <laughs> I have no idea. Educate. <laughs> All right, yeah. we better move on a bit. I wanted to share the story. We won't talk about it too long, but it's just funny. For me, anyway, I found it funny. There is seriousness to it, though, but I found it funny because I have, well, I'm all my friends have periods. It's about periods. Mm-hmm. But also, some of my friends have really bad 
experiences. I can't consider myself lucky. I don't, I don't really have too much of a problem. And there's also things I guess we just accept as we just deal with it because it's a natural part of life. But there's a lot of things that come with that that we may not need to put up with, but that's a separate conversation. But also it's about being able to be open and honest about what's happening and do self-care when, when you're having any issues. And this story is about the stigma surrounding periods, which is still a thing really in this day and age. And it's, it's from the Women's Media Centre, which is a great resource, and the title mm. is Can Period Simulators End Stigma? So some men have volunteered to have simulation periods, and apparently it's all over YouTube, all over Instagram, mm. a video. I've called, seen it, Tracy. <laughs> I mean, the Period Simulator Challenge, which I think is hilarious. So for this challenge, participants, usually men, strap a device on their stomachs that make them feel the same pain that women do when they have period cramps. Mm. First class videos may seem as ridiculous as the Saya noodle challenge, which I don't know about, or the challenge where people try to eat a spoonful of cinnamon. I've not seen that either. But men often leave the period simulator challenge with new awe and respect for women who experience menstrual pain. This challenge could help men and women have honest conversations about periods and could help erase the stigma around a completely natural part of life. I think that's mm. great. I mean, yeah, I actually do get period cramps sometimes. It, it, I feel like it's the contraction of whatever is going on. But some people get so many more intense pain. Mm. I would almost want to do the simulator to see if it's anything like my own experience. Mm. But quite sunny, I thought, as a topic. Yeah, and I actually the, the cramps are just really part of the symptoms that we go through right because there's so many other things there's the but having I'm... to eat chocolate and then there's the kind of, tired actually you know, yeah tired. so many actual there are a lot of symptoms so yeah the period simulator challenge i think is only really addressing the, the pain part of it yeah <laughs> yeah the not all the other things that you experience during your cycle yeah but i really like that it's planning, starting, starting to open up that conversation and not making it so, I don't know, dirty or taboo or whatever. I mean, certainly when I was young, it wasn't really a topic of conversation. You suffered by yourself. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't, you know, even something that I would have shared with friends, I think. Yeah, I'm just thinking that I didn't age. really talk about it with friends either. Yeah. You just assumed everybody was going through what you were going through. We mm. talk about it, but I know that there's friends of mine have far worse symptoms than I do. Mm. That's yeah, we just kind of put up with. But again, nice to know that we can help men relate a little bit better and have that conversation. And you know, I think when we taught periods at primary school, I remember they separated the boys and girls. And the boys went off and did whatever they did, and the girls went off and did whatever they did. And for me, that separation in itself creates stigma. I mean, you know, you're going to, at that age, you're going to get sniggers, you're going to get ooze, you're going to get all of those things. But I still think it's worth discussing those topics with both sexes, not just with girls, they have the period. Because 
men have to interact with women. Yeah, of course. It affects them too, so mm. indirectly maybe, but still does. So it's like maybe a guy never doesn't even understand or even know anything about them until they get a girlfriend. Yeah. Exactly. It seems crazy, really. Yeah, yeah. it's like, <laughs> like with a lot of things. I think if um, we understand each other, then we can empathise a bit better. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Mm. Yeah, no, I like that little challenge thing just because it gives, yeah. Even if it kind of comes across as being a little bit of a, a joke, it's fun, you know. But, yeah, I think it is also good to open up that conversation and let go. Of, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's, again, our age and where we're at in life, but my, our experiences from being younger was that it was like a bit of a taboo subject. Hopefully that's mm. changing now. Yeah, hopefully, for sure. <clears throat> All right, we'll go into the what would you do. I'm going to re- we'll revisit our stories from earlier about pronouns in the workplace, the use of hmm. non-gender pronouns, and that whole, and the scenario, and I actually have used a scenario before on the podcast, but with a different co-host, so let's see how you would handle it. <laughs> so you're in workplace as a teen, a group and an email has gone out from somebody in your team to somebody else in the team, potentially, let's mm-hmm. just say, acknowledging great job for this person, the whole team. And this person is a non-binary conforming person. And it's well known. They put in Zoom, they put they, them in their little pronouns and next to their name. But this person use, refers to them as she in the email so I guess my question is as part of that team who's seen that what would you do previously before having you know, engaged in this discussion with you <laughs> I probably would have ignored it you know and not really done anything about it but now that I understand a little bit more that it's not just about reference or whatever that it goes a lot deeper that it has psychological impact and it is about being seen, respected and valued. I think now I would want to look at how that can be corrected Mm. and I would, yeah, I would hope that I would have a conversation with the person that had made the error Mm. and, you know, explain about the importance of the use of the correct pronoun. Mm. and think about how it can be corrected so if you remember earlier when we talked about this one of the best practices in for gender pronoun usage in the workplace was to when an error has been made to correct the error Mm -hmm. so yeah i'd want to at least flag it that it should be corrected i'm thinking a bit more about it like literally in real life trying to imagine what what I would do and like you like to think I would at least have a conversation without the person made the error at the very minimum mm-hmm. going around correcting it there's a few things to think about do you send another email with a correction or do you send another email basically calling yourself out going I made a mis- I made an error I apologize and I remind yeah. everyone including myself that yeah. this person uses pronouns. I think that would be the, the way yeah. to go personally. However, the only, I think 
potentially checking in with that person because that person may think you're making too much of a fuss and a big deal and putting too much attention on them and that may not make them comfortable. They may be uncomfortable mm. with that. So that's the only reservation I would have about doing that. However, that's, what I, that's how I personally feel like you, you should correct that mistake. Um, yeah. But there is that whole the other person and is that are they going to be embarrassed by that correction now? I, mm. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, it depends the, about the work culture and the community that you're in as well, right? Because if it is an open, inclusive community, then I think the correction is a lot easier to happen. Yeah. But if, if it's not an inclusive environment where people feel safe about these types of co- topics, then it would be a lot harder, wouldn't it? Mm. <clears throat> because then, like you say, it could be, become a big deal when in actual fact it's not a big deal. It's just I made a mistake and this is, you know, the correction and yeah. now let's just move on. Yeah. I, you hit the nail on the head there. depends on the culture. And the whole idea about diversity, inclusivity, you know, training and education is to create that culture of openness, transparency, where everybody's, you know, seen, valued and respected. And you're right, I think if that's that's established, then it's not a big deal to correct it in that way. Yeah. For sure. Hey, yeah. yeah. Well done. All right. That was a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, story suggestion. They were really good. Yeah. While we're talking about this topic, mm-hmm. I just wanted to give a recommendation for a movie that Ooh. I watched quite a while ago, actually. It's called A Fantastic Woman. And it's based, well, I think it was in Spanish. It was based, so it's all subtitles, obviously. And it was based in Chile about a transgender woman and all the challenges that she's in the relationship and the sort of you know, things that happen, lots of challenges and the way she is discriminated against. But yeah, if that's of interest to anybody, that's a really a good movie to watch to help with understanding of this topic really good suggestion what was the we should do that we should have a movie movie suggestions or a book read linking to the theme should do that Mm. and you suggested a movie last time do you remember because i watched it i did yeah no i can't remember what it was (laughs) what was it yeah i can't remember i I watched the movie i watched the tv series that you recommended um, that was a couple that were in a relationship and they both worked in finance and she gets the promotion and he doesn't and then it all kind of spirals from there oh i can't remember what that one was called either i'll say i'm gonna have to look it up because it's annoying me now i bet yeah i'll find it but yes i watched it it was really good i remember thinking it was good but i just don't remember what it was mm-hmm. oh the thing you talked about was called fair play Wow, okay. Fair play, yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, remove your recommendations every episode. Look at you. <laughs> All right, then. All right, we'll better get a move on. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. That was yeah. very good discussions, good topics. I've learned some things. <laughs> good. Me too. Um, I didn't know MX was a way to <laughs> formally address a non-conforming person no yeah. idea. that's great thank you for that yeah you all right 
more juicy topics for next time. Yes. See you next time, Tracy. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.